0: All right. Roy Moore is fighting back against charges. He dated a minor in 1979 when he was 32. And he says, if you send your daughter to his house, we'll be happy to explain to her what happened. Uh, you'll hear a different take on this from me than you've heard from just about anybody else. I think it's going to be worth listening to. Also, the uh, adorable Michael Knowles, heartthrob star of another kingdom, <laughs> will be with us to discuss sex scandals through history. That probably won't be worth listening to, but you can turn it off before that happens. And <laughs> I'll, I'll mock him relentlessly. So That'll be kind of fun. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Shitty-shaped, dipsy topsy The world is a zing It's a wonderful day. Hooray, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right, it was a clavenless weekend for Roy Moore. Should have been listening to Another Kingdom. You know, it's over. We now have over six hundred five star reviews for Another Kingdom. This, wow. this, this fantasies. You have, have six hundred five star reviews,
1: or you have six hundred
0: five one star? <laughs> no, no, it's six hundred five star. And I left none of them. Maybe I left one of them. I'm not sure. But it's still, so maybe it's five hundred ninety nine. But it's over. It's over six hundred five star reviews. Go to iTunes and tune in and subscribe. Also, tomorrow is the conversation with Michael Knowles. So you're going to get a lot of Knowles. Uh, This is, uh, you know, you have to roll that up so I can see the exact times. Actually, I have it over here. It's November 14th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. the conversation will stream live on the Daily Wire website, Facebook page, and YouTube channel, and it will be free for everyone to watch, but only subscribers can ask the questions. Subscribe today to ask Michael questions and join the conversation. It's a lousy 10 bucks a month. For a lousy hundred bucks, you can subscribe for the full year and get your leftist tears tumbler, which fills up every time Noel speaks. It's like it's amazing. It just gets full of leftist tears. Also, also, you know, a lot of a lot of these revelations are coming out about the kind of insane people who work in offices. Most of them, uh, you know, we have to admit are true here at The Daily Wire, but that's because we did not use ZipRecruiter.com. If we had used ZipRecruiter.com, we could have sane people working here, but then it wouldn't be as much fun, but at least we had competent people, probably at your business. At your business, you want the best, and that's why you want to go to ZipRecruiter, because with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just One click. And then what happens is ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It goes out, finds them, drags them into your business, and then you'll have a good staff. When, tell me what, write to us and tell me what that's like. Zip, <laughs> it's a wonder that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. 80 percent get a quality candidate in just one day, that's why what makes ZipRecruiter the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidate with immediate results. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. That is fairly inexpensive. Free. Just go to the ZipRecruiter.com slash dailywire. ZipRecruiter.com slash dailywire. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Don't let what happens at the Daily Wire happen to you. Get qualified candidates. Uh, they, they love me here. I, you know, it's like, it's just, I this is why at the end of the day, uh, somebody always says, and stay out. That's, <laughs> all right, let me, let me begin. I want to start with a, a personal comment about this Roy Moore scandal because I've been thinking about it all weekend. And I, I, I won't get into, you know, too much information or anything like this, but I actually believe that every male commentator who is commenting on this huge sex scandal, which is now sweeping Hollywood and politics and the state houses and all this, and now has hit this candidate for the special election for, to replace Jeff Sessions as senator in Alabama— I think that every male candidate is actually operating under the unspoken threat of feminist blackmail. And the reason I think that is because I think every young man has done something that he regrets, okay? Women have no clue. They have no clue what it is like to be a young man. It is like being tied to a rocket, a rocket which basically wants to plant itself in every female that walks by. And some men, many men, handle this quite well, but a lot of them handle it well because of fear. They're afraid of getting caught, they're afraid of getting diseased, they're afraid of all kinds of things, but they are all dealing with a power that women know nothing about. Women do not know it. So every man who talks about this is afraid that if he goes off the feminist line that every accuser has to be believed that every man has done something bad, that every little thing is somehow a tremendous crime against humanity instead of part of the complexity of working with women and being around women, uh, everyone's afraid, oh, my God, something will come out. Something will, uh, you know, about me will come out, and I can be destroyed just like all these other people I see being destroyed around me. So I want to start with a personal statement, which is this. I have been married now for 37 years, I think it is, 37 years.
1: Impressive.
0: Th- what's that?
2: Impressive. <laughs> impressive.
0: It is impressive, and I have been... Faithful to my wife, I have been faithful to my wife, and I think also since 37 years is basically my adult professional life. I think you can go back. I have worked as I work to this very day. I have worked with some of the most beautiful women on earth because I've worked in Hollywood, I have worked in publishing, and I've worked in the news business. That's where the pretty girls go. I have worked with them them all. Some of them were available. I have. I think you can interview any woman I worked with, and she will tell you that I have treated her with respect. I haven't chased anyone around the room. I haven't. You know cheated, grabbed anybody, even talked, uh, you know, a lot of sex in front of people. Even Jess will say that about me, and Jess doesn't even like me, she will. (laughs) I, I, I may abuse you personally, but I don't sexually abuse people. However, however, as a young man, as I've written about this in my memoir, The Great Good Thing, I was out of my mind. I was sick, I was twisted, I was angry, I was nuts, and did things that I regret to this day. I wake up in the, you know, in the middle of the night and think, oh my God, I've done terrible, terrible things because I was this sick guy. And all I can say about that guy is he's dead. I know he's dead because I killed him with my own two hands. And, you know, I mean, like a lot of psychiatry and a lot of, you know, God and, you know, made me the man I am today. And, I, I, you know, a hundred times I have gone to God and said, look, I'm a person of goodwill. Why did I ever have to be that person? And I think the answer is it has made me slow to judge. It's why when you hear me talking about Jesus, you're not hearing me say, like, this is a sin, and that's a sin, and why don't we condemn this, and you did that, and this. I don't do that because I have looked into the heart of darkness, and it was my heart. I have been there. I understand. I understand the pain of people who do bad things. I understand the twistedness and the fact that you're out of control. And so I, I just put that forward to say to you that this is the point of view that I'm coming from this that I'm coming to this from. And having said that, and and I'm not afraid of anybody saying things about me because i'll I'll tell you, you know there's there's stuff there you know that i I wish hadn't happened. That guy is dead. I live as I live today and have lived for thirty seven years. So, having said that, I believe we're now in the middle of a witch hunt, okay? And you say, well, what are you even talking about a witch hunt, Harvey Weinstein, you know, Harvey Weinstein did this rape and and Louis C. k, you know, doing terrible things in front of people. This is two things you have to know about a witch hunt. There are always real witches. Some of the people who get caught in witch hunts are real witches. And this was true back when there were actual witch hunts. The difference is that we no longer believe in witches, so we no longer respect people for being afraid of witches. But if we had lived back then, we would have been certain there were witches. It wasn't like you would have doubted it. You would have been absolutely certain that some people were witches and needed to be destroyed before they destroyed you or your crops or whatever. So in witch hunts, there are always witches real witches and this is true in old times and it's true now so that over the weekend USA today put out a list of guys who have been accused and I'm reading the list and this Harvey Weinstein who did t- Terrible things maybe include he's accused of actual rape. I mean that is you know the crime under murder that we think is the worst thing, and I I agree it's a terrible thing to do to somebody. But then there's Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman's an eighty year old man, and what's he accused of? He's accused of talking dirty in front of a woman, and you know maybe inviting a woman to his hotel. And it's like I I don't care. I don't even you know when you put those two things on the same list, you're basically making the list this kind of moral cloud. That's a witch hunt. You know guys do things they ask and. Women invite things, and women are seductive, you know, and act in a transactional way sometimes. Who knows what happens? I don't care what Dustin, if Dustin Hoffman talked dirty in front of someone. One of the reasons I behave the way I do is because I'm not a feminist. One of the reasons I treat women with respect is because I'm not a feminist. I'm a patriarch. I'm an old-fashioned patriarch who believes there's a difference between men and women, that men have to look out for women a little bit. Women don't like to talk about it, but there it is. You know, that... Once, once women say, as feminists have been telling us now for 60 years, once they say, oh, we're exactly the same, then there's no reason when you come into a workplace that women's rules should rule instead of men's rules. Men talk dirty. Men say terrible things. You know, men like to make grotesque jokes. The only reason they shouldn't do that is if patriarchy is in place, is if it's in place that these men have to watch out for the women around them. I'm a patriarch. I'm old-fashioned. I'm a gentleman. I believe I have to watch out for people— you know, so that's different. But feminists have no case; they have no argument. So in this witch hunt, we now have Roy Moore, right? Roy Moore is this Bible thumping guy, defends the ten uh, the Ten Commandments. You know, he's always talking about uh, the evils of gay people and the evils of transgender people, and blah 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 blah. And he makes a big show of it. And now he has been picked over Luther Strange, who was the guy that Trump supported. Steve Bannon supported Roy Moore, and he was picked to uh, run against the Democrat in a very red state, Alabama, to replace Jeff Sessions as senator. Now, the Washington Post comes out with a report. And what does the report say? It says that in 1979, when he was 31 or 32, Roy Moore was dating teens, lots of teens. Some guy has said we knew he was hanging out in high schools and all this. The age of consent in Alabama is 16. One of these girls, who tells a very elaborate, you know, detailed story, Uh, was at the time 14, and he touched her through her underwear, took her home. He was a DA, an ADA, and uh, he took her home when she was involved in some case with her mother. I mean, it's it's a really kind of a a bad story. And, you know, it matters what the law is because we're not really in the uh, business of judging other people's sex lives, no matter what they're running for. But a 14-year-old, in my mind, can't give informed... Uh, consent to a 32-year-old. She said she, she didn't enjoy what was going on, uh, you know, and it, it is completely out of line. I mean, it's basically, it's not, I'm not going to call it child molesting, but it's, you know, it's basically going after an underage girl, and it's not right. It's not right. So more over the weekend, he talked to Hannity, and it, to my mind, he, he basically admitted the part about dating teens. So the, what I'm saying about the WAPO piece is that there's one charge in there of breaking the law, a charge that he was with a 14-year-old girl is the charge of breaking the law. The other things are about dating youngish, youngish women. So this is one charge. It, to my mind, on The Hannity Show, he basically admitted <laughs> that he dated teens. It's, it's not, cut number three, this is the question and answer there. Would it be unusual for you as a 32-year-old guy to have dated a woman as young as 17? That would be a, what, 15-year difference or a girl 18. Do you remember dating girls that young at that time? Not generally, no. But, if I did, I, you know, I'm not going to dispute anything, but I don't remember anything like that. But you don't specifically remember having any girlfriend that was in her late teens even at that time?
1: No, I don't remember that, and I don't remember ever dating
0: any girl Without the permission of her mother. And I think in her statement she said that her mother actually encouraged her to go out with me. <laughs> so he's lying. Basically, he says, I don't remember doing it, but her mother encouraged her to do it. And you know, <laughs> so he's lying. He dated teens. Did he but he adamantly denies the fourteen-year-old girl charge, says he never knew her, didn't happen. He made this he made the statement to Hannity, but then he made it publicly. So let's listen to his public statement about this. Cut five. These attacks involve a minor, and they're completely false and untrue about something that happened nearly 40 years ago. But more than being completely false and untrue, they're very hurtful to me personally. I want to make it clear to the media present and to the people present. I have not provided alcohol beverages, alcoholic beverages, beer, or anything else to a minor. I have not been guilty of sexual misconduct with anyone. This article is a prime example of fake news, an attempt to divert attention from the true issues which affect our country. Okay, now here's the second thing I want to say about a witch hunt. In a witch hunt, you and I are swept up into the emotion, right? It's not other people who do the witch hunt. It's everybody. Everybody is in on the witch hunt because you have to react because people are screaming at each other and your friends are screaming and everybody's screaming and you have to feel like, I gotta, I have to come down. I have to have an opinion. I have to know. You know, here he is. The guy is denying this. I was thinking even before this happened that in this atmosphere, this would be an easy time to set somebody up. You get a couple of women. You get a couple of women who you know the guy was with and then you throw in a woman who maybe wasn't with him. That's a good setup. It's a good setup. It doesn't mean he's... he's telling the truth. We know he, we're pretty sure he lied about the teenage girls on Hannity. So we, it's hard now to trust him. The girl did not come to the Washington Post. The Washington Post went out and got him. Moore keeps saying, well, why did she wait, you know, 40 years to come forward? That's not a good question. That's actually not a good question. The Washington Post doing a hit job on a candidate they don't like went out and found this girl. She didn't want to talk. So that's really not a good argument. But, um, but the thing is, everybody is now falling into place along their political lines. Everybody, everybody, even the people who are being sanctimonious are falling into place along the political lines. The political establishment, which hates Roy Moore, including the White House, which didn't want him, they're saying if it's true, he should step down. And if not, he should fight. That that seems to me the kind of clearest, it's the most establishment thing, but it, it's a clear moral stance, right? If, he's, if it's true, step down. If it's not true, you should stand and fight. Why should you be pilloried by the press? Of course, the press, they're the witchfinder generals. They're the ones in charge because this this is the guy they hate because he's on the right and he's on the far right. You know, so they've they've come out with these statements, unbelievable statements. Uh, Fredo, what's his guy, what's his name? Cuomo on uh, CNN. He is the Fredo of the Cuomo family. And I'm not so fond of the Cuomo family altogether. Cuomo, and here's here's a little uh, quick montage, a two-person montage we put together of Cuomo and, uh, is it Martha Raddatz at ABC? They can't believe that anybody would wait to find out if it's true. Listen to this.
2: Democratic candidate had a story come out today that... Uh, we found a 14-year-old young uh, woman at the time, now much older, okay, so the candidate was much younger, just like in the Roy Moore story, and she said, well, now that you got me, I and told this story, would you feel the same way about it, that, boy, you know, this Democratic candidate, he needs to, let's give him every benefit of the doubt, and let's see if there's any other proof other than this woman reluctantly coming forward and saying when I was 14, he touched me here, he touched me there, and I asked him to take me home. I was very uncomfortable. I wanted it to end. Would you be so open-minded?
1: I, I'm taking politics out of this. I, 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 don't, I don't know can't. how
2: you can, because I, every comment that's made by people on the right is defending and putting in context of political utility. The, well, let's see if it's true. Well, boy, the timing is suspicious. These are not things that you say when you're being sensitive to the women in the case. They just are not.
0: I think generally you hear, you know, we don't know, and it was 40 years ago, sort of the things that Roy Moore was saying, that if if he did that. And and I don't know really how you take this further. You've got four women on the record who the Washington Post sought out. They didn't come to the Washington Post and, and 30 others who they talked to. So I don't really know what those voters are waiting for. Oh, you don't, do you? Maybe they're waiting for proof. A, and it's not four women. It's one woman who is accusing them of illegality. And if the press, especially the left-wing press, is going to start to lecture us on dating young women, let me show you a cover. What is this, from People Magazine? I found this cover from People. Yeah, People Magazine. Jerry Seinfeld. Look who's in love. Jerry Seinfeld, 39, and Shoshana Lonstein, 18, make an unlikely romance work. These guys have been undermining our sexual mores for the last 60 years, and now they're suddenly telling us, oh, we suddenly have to turn you know on this candidate because he's dating young women. That's not going to work. That doesn't work. That's the first thing. The second thing is they're essentially, especially Cuomo, who is... The guy is as dumb as a brick. <laughs> Cuomo is basically saying, "How can you doubt us? We're the press. We doubt you because you lie. You lie. You know, there was a story last week about uh, Trump's bodyguard. I think it was. Um, let me let me make sure I got it. Uh, yeah, his his bodyguard." Uh, he was in Congress. They were investigating the Steele dossier, the thing that said that the Russian, that Trump had slept with these Russian hookers and all this stuff. And the guy said that um, after a business meeting before the Miss Universe pageant in 2013, he's testifying to Congress, a Russian participant offered to send five women to Donald Trump's hotel room in Moscow. His longtime bodyguard told Congress this week, according to three sources who were present for the interview, two of the sources said the bodyguard, Keith Schiller, viewed the offer as a joke and immediately responded, we don't do that type of stuff. So essentially the Steele document is now like debunked by this guy, right? He's saying it didn't happen. So GQ, which has now become a left-wing uh, cesspit, says, runs a story with the headline, isn't it strange how more of the Steele dossier keeps checking out? That's the, and, and NBC, a guy at NBC tweeted out, uh, you know, Trump was offered Russian hookers. Yeah, but it didn't say he turned him down. They thought it was a joke. He wasn't, we don't do that kind of stuff. So they lie. I mean, remember the the guy from Time Magazine saying the bust of Martin Luther King had been removed from the Oval Office because he didn't see it. He didn't happen to see it. And then they said, oh, it was just a mistake. Not a mistake. These guys have been doing hit pieces on Donald Trump. Every word out of his mouth has been, you know, reconfigured to be, the, to give it its worst possible meaning. Everything is a scandal. Everything he does is wrong. So they lie. So why should anybody believe him? But the bigger Divide here is between the people who support Trump and the never Trumpers. And that's what I will talk about in a moment. But first, I have to talk about something equally important, if not more so, which is why you are still going to the post office, right? I don't go to the post office. I, you know, why do I use stamps.com? I use stamps.com because my wife was sick and tired of me saying, go to the post office. <laughs> that's why she was sick and tired of waiting online. Post office does great stuff, it really does. But nobody wants to stop in the middle of their cyber day, which is moving at the speed of light, and suddenly drive to the post office and stand online line and wait for the stamps to come through. You don't have to do it anymore. Stamps.com brings all the amazing services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your fingertips in your computer. And you can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any class of mail using your own computer and printer plus as far as I'm concerned, is fun. I'm easily amused, but when I put an envelope into a printer and it comes out with a stamp, I'm amused. Stamps.com makes it easy. They'll send you a digital scale. It automatically calculates the exact postage, and stamps.com will even help you decide the best class of mail based on your needs. I use it because I just don't want to stop my day. You know, I don't want to stop my day to go to the post office when I can do it right at home in my computer. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus postage, and a digital scale. So go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Claven. I know you can do it. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Do it slowly, K-L-A-V-A-N, Stamps.com, and enter Claven, and will never have to go to the post office again. All right, we're gonna talk some more about this, about the never-Trump. This is the big one, the Trump versus never-Trump divide. And Michael Knowles will join us after this. But first, I gotta say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. Come on over to thedailywire.com and listen to the rest of the show. And while you're there, subscribe, and then you can watch the whole thing live. So the Trumpers and never-Trumpers are falling along very, very predictable lines. Uh, Bannon, Steve Bannon and Sean Hannity, they were attacking the accusers. Hannity is losing some sponsors over this, which is, you know, a lot of people are saying they're going to, Keurig was one of them. Our car, the coffee makers is a Keurig, isn't it? Yeah. So, so some people are saying they're going to boycott Curig because he pulled it. Breitbart is sending uh, reporters to Alabama to see if they can find stuff to discredit the accusers, um, which, uh, you know, I think is going to be tough to do unless the accusers have been paid off. And there's no evidence of that so far whatsoever. And like I said, they were hunted down. On, and the big one, of course, the one that got everybody going, and this has happened to, to a couple of times, David Horowitz. Uh, David Horowitz, uh, obviously, long time, used to be a radical leftist. Now he's a radical conservative. Long time friend of mine, uh, David and I had a kind of a falling out over a truth revolt, but we've made it up between us. And he's he's a guy, with a very intense guy. And he sent out a tweet saying Roy Moore is probably guilty, uh, but we should vote for him anyway to keep the Senate Um, you know, Democratic, especially at this very delicate time, because we have such a small, the Republicans have such a small lead in the Senate. And the Trumpers then go absolutely insane. In my view, the Never Trumpers are getting a kind of sanctimonious tone that they might want to check on just a little bit. I love some of them. Some of them are great people, and I know what they're talking about, and I understand where they're coming from. But they just went nuts on David. Uh, You know, here is Max Boot, who is a neocon. He says, Roy Moore response shows that the GOP deserves to die. You may have thought that Republicans had sunk as low as they could possibly go last year when they nominated for the presidency a man who was singularly unfit morally and mentally for that post. But no, once you start racing to the bottom, you never quite stop. There is always another level of degeneracy to be plumbed. And this is the, the has been the never- Trump's argument from the beginning, which may have something to do with the fact that they didn't vote for a guy and he's actually doing a pretty pretty good job. Trump didn't support this guy. Trump did not support uh, Roy Moore. You know, he said fine. And the White House has basically said if it's true, he should step down. If it's not true, he shouldn't, which is the basic establishment point of view. A very sanctimonious thing that this is the worst thing ever. But I want to look at it from David Horowitz's point of view for a minute because I don't think – I disagree with David. I disagree with both sides in this uh, of, in this argument. I disagree with David, but I don't think he's being a bad guy. I think he has a very particular way of looking about it. Let's do a, a mind experiment for a minute. Let's say that America had sunk so low that 48 of its senators were now Nazis and they were open Nazis. They were saying, oh, boy, can't wait till we get a couple more votes. And then we're going to start killing them Jews. You know, it's going to be terrific. That, that's what the Nazis are saying. And the Republicans who are running against the Nazis run a guy who turns out to be a child molester? Would you vote for him or not? That's what David is dealing with because David looks at the Democrat Party and he doesn't see the Democrat Party of his childhood. He sees a group of far leftists who he thinks are endangering the American experiment and he says it's worth... You know, checking your morals at the door to stop them, and that's what a lot of people said about Donald Trump. I I personally voted for Donald Trump because I thought the alternative was generally Hillary Clinton would generally mean the end of the American experiment, and I didn't believe that that would be stopped by her by a Republican majority. I still don't believe it. It was a binary choice. I made a choice. It was difficult to make. It was it was unpleasant to make, but not difficult. It seemed like an easy choice to make. So that's what Horowitz is saying, and I I have some sympathy with that. I think he's David is more radical than I am, but that's what he sees. And so he's not speaking out of some immoral cesspit of a a soul or anything like that. He is saying we're in a radical situation. Radical measures have to be taken. So here's where I come down, and here's what I think we can say without any uh, compromise at all. One, Roy Moore is an utter and complete fraud. I mean, I don't say that because of what he may have done in the past. I say that because of what he is doing now. Okay, This is a guy who has hammered that Bible and hammered the Ten Commandments and made a Big, big fuss about it. If he was dating high school girls, that may not be illegal. It may not be my part to judge, but it's pretty creepy. And what I would like to hear him say is, you know— Look, look, a Christian man is not a perfect man by any means. A Christian man is not a sinless man. A Christian man is dedicated to the truth. He worships the truth. The guy said, "I am the truth. that is who we worship. if he he was lying to Hannity, he didn't say, he never even thought to say yes, I did sinful things. I did stupid things. I did terrible things. I'm not that man. I've been saved by God. I'm been turned around. He didn't even think to say it. he didn't even it didn't even enter his mind. All he did was lie. And, you know, he went right there. So whether he slept with his 14-year-old girl or not, this guy is a total phony, okay? That is one thing. Two, Steve Bannon has a lot to answer for, okay? And I'm not a Steve Bannon hater or anything like that. I always got along with Steve when he was a Hollywood guy. He's never said a bad word to me. But... But he came out and said, we are having a civil war against the GOP. And Mitch McConnell said, that's not the way we do this because you guys are going to lose because it's just like the Tea Party. And Steve Bannon went out and he supported Roy Moore. And now they're stuck with a candidate who could lose this seat because of that. And that was your job. That's the job. If you're the Tea Party or if you're Steve, the Bannon Party, your job is to vet these guys so you don't go against the establishment with a guy who can't win. You know, I mean, this is something that he has to answer for, and I think he needs to step forward and talk about this because, you know, if if you're waging civil war, you got to win. You got, you know, you're going to kill the king. You got to kill the king. Third, Bill Clinton did a great disservice to this country, and the Democrats have not yet uh, addressed it. And certain Democrats and certain faux, uh, faux uh, conservative like David Brooks are coming out and saying this. Back when Bill Clinton was having an affair with a young woman in the Oval Office and cheating on his wife. The feminists rushed to his defense and the left rushed to his defense. The most famous one was the feminist journalist Nina Burley, who said, I would be happy to give him oral sex just to thank him for keeping abortion legal. I think American women should be lining up with their presidential knee pads to show their gratitude for keeping the theocracy off our backs. So the, long ago, the Democratic Party sold out saying, saying the Republicans are so bad that it's worth, you know, accepting any kind of behavior to get our policies in place. We are not arguing about whether the Democrats are scum. We're arguing about whether the Republicans should sink to the level of the Democrats. That's what we're arguing about. Chris Hayes, who's on MSNBC, far-left commentator, he said, he put out a tweet, as gross and cynical and hypocritical as the right's what-about-Bill-Clinton stuff is, it's also true that Democrats in the center-left are overdue for a real reckoning with the allegations against him, which include a charge of rape. He was hammered. The left came out and I was watching because some of my left-wing friends were on the Twitter feed yelling at him. Why do we have to talk about Bill Clinton? Why do we have to talk about Bill Clinton? Because you guys... Put the right in this situation. The right is reacting to you. And that doesn't make them right. It doesn't make them right to sink to your level, but they are sinking to your level. And every single person who defended Bill Clinton, who is now sitting around and harping against the right, including clowns like Chris Cuomo and Martha Raditz, every single one of them is answerable for this that brought us to the situation. So what do I think we should do? You know, I'm not as radical as David Horowitz. You know, I'm, I'm not as radical as David Horowitz. I don't think that the, the left is evil, but I do think they have moved so far left that I do believe they are endangering our rights to free speech, our rights to guns, our rights to defend ourselves. Our whole concept, they're, they're just attacking our whole concept of bottom-up government. What I would like to see happen, what I would actually like to see happen is I'd like to see Roy Moore win this so we don't lose the seat, and then I think the Senate should th- kick him the hell out. I think you know. I think it would be great if he won the seat. I don't think he's going to. I think he's going to lose now because of this. But I think it would be great if Roy Moore won the seat and then the Senate, like grownups, threw him out for what he did. And then we have to have another election and maybe we'll put up Luther Strange and maybe he'll win. Maybe we'll have the election that we should have had. I That's not a great solution. I know it's not a great solution. We should be able to kick guys out when they are shown to be complete frauds like this. We should be able to just get rid of them. But I do believe that the left has gone so far left that they've become a danger to the American experiment, and it might be worth shelving that for a moment to make sure they don't get in and then we get rid of this guy because I don't think this guy is fit to serve in the Senate. I really don't. Uh, and so I think it would be nice. I think basically I think the Republicans should turn out and elect him, and then I think Mitch McConnell should boot him into the ne- into next week. Speaking of booting people into next week, let's bring on Michael Knowles. Is he right re- there? He is. <laughs> hey. <laughs> speaking <laughs> of people <laughs> unfit to serve in the Senate, <laughs> speaking of people unfit, and you know, a, a man who is. Uh, I don't think there has been one accusation against you yet.
1: I'm as shocked as anybody. <laughs> Obviously, they're going to. Uh, Marshals have been filing a few, but we hush those down yeah. here at the Daily Wire. And
0: I know as the the heart throb star of another kingdom. I know that the women are just throwing themselves all over you. I'd they see. are.
1: They, the, the virtual women are virtually throwing themselves at me. It's really virtually very flattering. I, yep.
0: I, I love those virtual women. They're so much easier to deal with than real women.
1: Well, that is, we're only about five years away from the sex robots and yeah. the end of civilization. So really we're just seeing into the future for we're, we're profits.
0: <laughs> that is it. So your job was to go out and look at the, I mean, what I, what struck me about this as I was thinking about it is everybody's acting like this is some amazing thing that's happened. But this is all through American history. Sex scandals have been basically standard operating procedure. Th-
1: this is true. Uh, very often we want to think, you hear this all the time about Trump, they say, this has never happened before. We've never had a person this awful and uncouth in office. Uh, that That isn't true. They're, they said it even with Clinton, I guess. We've never seen anything like this before. It turns out that uh, sex scandals are a pretty American institution. <laughs> They've been around for a long time. I know uh, I love
0: this country for some reason. Uh, that's right.
1: <laughs> I will freely admit that... That they occur on both sides of the aisle. They've occurred in many parties that no longer exist. You know, the country was founded by pilgrims up north and by vicious criminals in Jamestown. (laughs) So there is this moralizing aspect to America and also this scoundrel aspect to America. Excellent point. So the first one is one of my favorite founding fathers, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, Hamilton uh, launched the nation's first official sex sex scandal in 1791 when he decided to cuckold a nice man named... uh, James calendar so he starts an affair with this guy's wife and uh, it goes unnoticed for a little while what he doesn't realize is the husband knows this and extorts him for a thousand dollars a thousand dollars right now it, right now is quite expensive you know a thousand dollars in 1791 was very expensive he paid off the money unfortunately six years later for Hamilton it came out they linked him to a financial scandal so uh, to get out of that Hamilton admitted it it hurt his career but whatever you know it lasted for a little while John Adams said of Alexander Hamilton, quote, that bastard brat of a Scottish peddler, his ambition, <laughs> his restlessness, and all his grandiose c- schemes come, I'm convinced, from a superabundance of secretions which he couldn't find enough whores to absorb. <laughs> that's and the it, second they say, president. They
0: say our rhetoric has come down, but it's actually it, lifted it, up above that. that. Is, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah that's, that's the second president of the United States talking <laughs> right. about the first secretary of the treasury. Yeah, that is great. Uh, then Thomas Jefferson, obviously. No, no God. Uh, had this affair with his slave, Sally Hemings. It's v- misrepresented, I think, by the statue topplers because Sally Hemings was the half-sister of his dead wife. Okay. So she looked a lot like the wife. Oh. And uh, there there was more to the story than just... Uh, Jefferson walking out and saying, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, uh-huh. all right, you're coming with me. But uh, again, that you know, third president of the United States. Then th- this guy is a particular favorite of mine, James Henry Hammond. Again, uh, this is in the mid, uh, early to mid 19th century. Uh, James Henry Hammond from the Nullifier Party from South Carolina, of course. He had a gay relationship with a college friend. Oh. Then he had a little dalliance with two of his teenage nieces. Uh, when this became a, <laughs> a, 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 a public knowledge in uh, 1843, he was forced to withdraw from his race. Uh, from his next bid in 1846, he wasn't forced to resign. He was just forced to withdraw from his next bid, and then he became a senator again less than two <laughs> terms later in 1857. It's a,
0: it's a forgiving nation. Well, of course, you know, and the,
1: the nieces had reached the age of maturity at that point, so <laughs> oh, all was forgiven God. in South Carolina. <laughs> then uh, there's James Buchanan. James Buchanan, our bachelor president. He had a good pal named William Rufus King. Andrew Jackson appar- apparently referred to King as Miss Nancy and oh. Aunt Fancy. Wow, they were. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) They lived together for 10 years when this guy moved away uh, to Europe. Uh, Buchanan was uh, inconsolable and wrote about how he was going to go looking to woo other men. Uh, This was, uh, you know, uh, quite a long time ago, uh, long before the gay pride uh, movements had had reached America. Uh, Grover Cleveland fathered a bastard child. Now, when this became apparent, Grover Cleveland's opponents would come to his rallies and shout, Ma, ma, where's my paw? (laughs) (laughs) But then when he won election to the White House, the the chant was responded to with, gone to the White House. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's this, you know, you, they're right. Donald Trump has brought this country down. Oh, wait, he wasn't alive then. <laughs> it's right. Yeah, this was in uh, 1884,
1: slightly before Mr. Trump. Uh, my favorite, I think, might be, other, other than the nullifier party guy, is Senator David Walsh. Senator David Walsh, Democrat from Massachusetts, was accused of visiting a gay Nazi brothel. A gay Nazi brothel. A gay brothel, Nazi brothel. Yeah, that's I, not, I hate when
0: that happens. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's frowned upon in American
1: society, but that's fine. He was He was a senator. (laughs) Uh, We have the Supreme Court uh, justice William O. Douglas. He, alleged, he was married three times. He pursued other women while married to his third wife and molested flight attendants. Did he really? Uh, he did, yeah. I was a Supreme Court justice. Wow. So, the what we consider the most dignified branch yes. of the government, yeah. he was out there, you know, uh, getting a little we fresh on really the flight attendants.
0: We don't know what they're wearing under those robes. That That's is true. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know if they're, <laughs> if wearing, they're wearing anything. anything yeah, so under it's like kind of like a kilt, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the modern sex scandal was brought into American politics by Congressman Wilbur mills wilbur mills in 1974 was found drunk with a beat-up stripper named fan fanny fox he was re-elected anyway but he was resigned after he gave a drunk press conference from her strip club dressing oh ow (laughs) that is he was a democrat by the way of course of course obviously Uh, fred richmond democrat from new york solicited sex from a 16 year old boy But those charges were dropped after he submitted to counseling. And Uh, this brings up another trend in American sexual debauched history, Mm -hmm. which is as long as you go to counseling, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. So uh, Congressman uh, Robert Bauman was charged with soliciting sex from a 16-year-old male prostitute. So what did he do? He went to treatment for alcoholism. (laughs) All charges were dropped. Everything was fine.
0: (laughs) I Uh, like this. I I like this More more recently,
1: we did have my former governor, Elliot Spitzer. He spent $80,000 on high-priced hookers yes. while he was attorney general and prosecuting them, and uh, he allegedly wore black socks and a New York Yankees cap while well, he did it. You
0: know, I, I have to admit to a certain boyish curiosity, I would like to know what these women did that was worth that kind of money. That <laughs> is, <laughs> like, there are only I, a certain number of acts you can perform. Yeah, really, <laughs> Norm
1: MacDonald says there are really only, like, four things you can yeah, do. Right. You <laughs> think you invent the fifth, but it's really just, like, three and two. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, God knows what I, he did, really, but yeah. he certainly did a lot of it. And then recently we've gotten to Anthony Weiner, who uh, who had a digital sex scandal. It was a virtual sex scandal. Yeah. It's like my virtual heartthrobbiness from another kingdom. <laughs> and so really, if you're looking at the trend of American history, it seems that these sex scandals are getting quite a lot more wholesome than uh, than they used to be. And Roy Moore now is uh, is the uh, object of the moralizing uh, and of his own sex scandal (laughs) involving underage girls. (laughs) But of course, the Democrats have this uh, difficult thing to overcome, which is we ought to believe every accuser, and we have to take all of these seriously, and also... 11 months ago, we supported a woman who uh, pressured her husband's rape victims to keep quiet. So it, it, it is, <laughs> it, a little I mean, t- they,
0: they really are stuck. And to watch them lecture, they're, they're, I mean, because really what the never-Trumpers are saying, what they've been saying to me all this time is we are becoming as bad as the Democrats. That's their big complaint, not, right. not that— uh, we're becoming worse, but simply that we're sinking to their level. And a lot of the Trump supporters are saying, yeah, we have to sink to their level to win. I mean, that's basically the argument that we're in. That's a-
1: and, you know, to the precursor to the modern Republican party, the Federalist party at the outset of our country was founded by a guy who had an abundance of secretions and cuckolded <laughs> some other poor guy. So I don't know. Yes, we're not as bad as the Democrats, but, you know, these things ebb and flow, don't they?
0: No, no question about it. A, an excellent
1: <laughs> report. You're doing the conversation tomorrow. I'm doing the conversation. Uh-huh. I've been uh, I've been reading up, obviously on all this important history <laughs> so that I can answer any questions. Yeah, but I'll be on the, on the firing line in the conversation. So five, any 5 p.m. Eastern,
0: 2 p.m. Pacific, and anybody can watch it on the Daily Wire website or the Facebook page and the YouTube channel. But... But they have to uh, pony up and subscribe in order to ask you questions, and I think a lot of good questions could be asked of you, like where were you Thursday at eight pm? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah when did you get that bathroom? <laughs> and the uh, while you're subscribing,
1: I think people also ought to subscribe to another kingdom. Absolutely, it's the last role I'm ever going to have in Hollywood, and uh, so I, I really uh, recommend it. We've got about a gazillion reviews already, so
0: uh, yeah. While, while you're at it, kill two birds with one stone. Absolutely, and and you, I, hate, I hate to admit it, but you're really good. I mean, Stop it's a it. really good performance.
1: Stop it! You're going to make me blush. i get out of here. It, it is a really fun story, and it, I I think some of the reviews, at least like five percent of them, might be genuine. They're not just Russian <laughs> robots. So yeah, people are enjoying the story. It's a really fun. Uh, It's hard to know which is crazier, Fantasyland or Hollyweird. But only one way to
0: find out is to listen to the story. If this keeps up, you'll be able to have people watch you shower. It'll be very (laughs) exciting. (laughs) Knock on wood. (laughs) Michael Knowles. The Michael Knowles Show is coming up next. Tune in. It's good to see you, Michael. Talk to you soon. All right, uh, you know uh, you know what I want to play for just a second? Saturday Night Live, because I keep talking about the fact that the Democrats are falling apart, they actually did a, a smart routine on the Democrats and how out of touch and old they are. And I think it's, it's, that's so shocking that it's actually worth playing a small cut of the SNL team basically playing the incredibly old and out of touch Democrats.
2: And we learned our lesson from the last election. We can't just appeal to coastal elites. We need mouth breathers from Wisconsin and window lickers from Ohio as well. And we know that what Americans really care about is jobs. Jobs like smuggling immigrants across the border and converting Confederate monuments into statues of prominent lesbian poets. And we're really going to listen to people if they don't say what's politically correct. Like these comics out there who think it's okay to make jokes about concentration camps that guy should rot in hell (laughs) the dams are back and we won't stop now because we need another path for our country another vision for america another chance for me hillary rodham clinton just one more chance and uh, maybe one more chance after that
0: thought she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually good stuff. It's so shocking to see them take on the other side that it's a, a, just the shock alone is funny. All right, let's do our crappy culture. So this this time we have two uh, absurd pieces of music for our crappy culture because we're taking a visit to the op-ed uh, page of the New York Times, or as we call it, Knucklehead rope. Oh, hey. So an op-ed in the New York Times by... Echo N. Yanka, a black guy is a professor at the Benjamin N. Cardozo School of Law at Yeshiva University and the reason I mentioned that he's a black guy is his op-ed is called, Can My Children Be Friends with White People? And his answer is no. For African Americans they swear, that's what he says. Races become proxy not just for politics but also for decency. White faces are swept together. Ominous anxiety behind every chance encounter at the airport or smiling white cashier. Oh, I hate those smiling white cashiers. They're the worst. If they are not clearly allies, they will seem unsafe to me. So that's his thing. You can be friends with white people if, if they support your politics, all right? He says, among my dearest friends, because his uh, wife is, he says, bi-ethnic, he calls her. He says, my bi-ethnic wife is my most trusted friend. She understands she is seen as a white woman, even though her brother and father are not. Among my dearest friends, the wedding party and children's godparents variety, many are white, but, but these are the friends who have marched in protest, rushed to airports to protest the president's travel ban, people who have shared the risks required by strength and decency. You know, my, I can't respond to this because there are certain things we're not allowed to say. I said, really, I only have a two-word response to this, and the second word is you. But here's the thing. This this points out the fact that the you know people talk about why is the argument we're having so intense, so angry. And the reason is, is we're having two separate arguments. We on the right are talking about policies that we think will help everybody. Okay, we're talking about policies which we are not making any dis, you know, any distinguishing, uh, we're not distinguishing identities. We're not distinguishing women from men. We're not distinguishing blacks from whites. We are distinguishing women from men in the sense that I talked about at the beginning that they're different and that therefore there may be some difference in treatment. But, but in terms of policy, we're talking about things that we hope will help everybody. We hope it'll bring peace to confront radical Islam. We hope it'll bring uh, more safety to close the border. We hope it'll uh, help, you know, the economy to cut down on our extraordinarily high corporate tax rate. All those things are what we're talking about. We're talking about policies. They are talking about identity all the time. And what they don't like about Donald Trump is that some of his supporters are talking back in the same language. Here is Van Jones talking about Roy Moore, the left-wing commentator, Van Jones, talking about Roy Moore and talking about what he sees on the right that's so shocking to him. Uh we haven't mentioned
2: Steve Bannon in this, but this is Bannonism on trial. Bannon is trying to create this sense of an aggrieved identity group, frankly a white aggrieved identity group that's under siege by everyone. <coughs> and this is that in its worst form. So you're not supposed to vote as a father. You're not supposed to vote as a brother. You're not supposed to vote as a, as a, as a, as a woman. You're supposed to vote as a member of this identity group against the world. And if that works, That is very, very bad for the Republican Party. It's very, very bad for the country. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so what are you saying? That is that is the left wing whole their whole policy. That's everything. Vote as your group. And what Van Jones is complaining about is not that it's happening. He's complaining about the fact that the right is doing it. The right. When what is your argument? If you tell people to vote as black people, if you tell people your children can't play with white people, you know, if you tell people to, that women have a right to vote as women, why can't men vote as men? Why can't white people vote as white people? The entire argument is wrong, and I reject their argument, and I accept the right. Obviously, I'm. A right winger. I believe that we should have pol- we should talk about policies only policies. They should outlaw. It, obviously, I'm being facetious, but they should not allow in political discussions words like racist, sexist. They don't matter. They don't matter. All that matters is policy and whether it works. I know that's more wonky. It's not as exciting. It doesn't make as as much good TV. But it really is what we should be talking about, and that is why why our culture. Our political culture has become so crappy. I got to go. Tomorrow we have Cassie J. I'm really excited about this. She made this uh, documentary, The Red Pill, which started out being about – it started out being against, basically, the men's movement. And then she sort of said, wait a minute. These people have had a point. She took the red pill and stopped being a feminist or at least has turned away from that kind of feminism that we despise. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Be there for that tomorrow.